you're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm in the Middle in chronological order. Today, we're talking about Mono, which originally aired February 12th, 2006, was directed by David DeVideo, and written by Andy Bobra. Hi, I'm Pizzake, the host of this Pizazzcast. I hate it here. Uh, my name's David, and podcasts can have podcasts. This is America. <laughs> and I'm Eric, and this podcast isn't horrible like those other butt munches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh <laughs> okay. Well, before we get any further, uh, Eric, as our very special guest, why don't you tell people where they can find more of your lovely voice? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, File Under Entertainment, in which Jake and David have both guested very frequently, most recently for the Musical Journey episodes where it's 13 songs about uh, telling the story of our lives. So if you want to hear much, much more about both Jake and especially David, <laughs> give those a listen. Uh, and I'm also on the Evil Mark show, the Thursday edition for sports-affiliated people. And I want to say before we begin, I listened to the most recent episode of The Troughs, and I have to say... I know you'll appreciate this, Jake. Why are you guys so obsessed with me? <laughs> you, keep <ta> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you keep talking about me. I'm glad that I finally uh, got David over on my side after five seasons of uh, what you guys were calling Francis Slander. And now... <laughs> well, well, hang on. Side is a strong term. But go on. <laughs> You're in the team picture. It, you might be all the way in the back... Uh, on the side, but you're there. Like you're in the, you're in that camp anyway. Listen, no one wanted me on the team, but I was there. <laughs> I wanted you on the team. I've been lobbying pretty hard for it to get one of you. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> the insanity paid off. Or I mean, uh, wait. Uh... <laughs> why are we here? Uh, well, Eric, do you want to uh, reveal why you chose this as one of the? episodes you specifically wanted to come on for honestly it well i mean i do like uh seeing a different side of lois and also a different side of hal i like the branching off of the characters uh for sure uh i also like jen kasmerick's range in this episode spoiler alert for uh, an, uh award later but honestly it was more like i wanted to do as many episodes with you guys as possible i <laughs> you guys were joking about yeah why wasn't eric on this one for college recruiters it feels like it would be perfectly <laughs> i was trying to give the audience a little bit of a break because i was saying like i would join you guys every single episode but i know the audience couldn't handle that like they're just their heads would explode with too many like wtffs uh so uh <laughs> I tried to give a little bit more of a, a space out, like try to find somewhere <laughs> happy, happily in the middle. Um, Mono, I thought it was a pretty funny episode. I, the Dewey um, and Reese-centric plotline, not the best, not my favorite, but I, I think the other parts are pretty strong. So, Well, before we start talking about Mono, we have our community segment where we have some poll results. Oh, of course. And an email, I believe, right? Uh, not an email, oh. though. We'll get to that, Eric. <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> we don't need the poll results. Let's get right into shit talking about David. Let's <laughs> you and everybody else, Eric. 
Well, uh, so the, these uh, poll results are looking back on Bride of Ida, which for that episode, David chose Dewey as shittiest kid for uh, how he treated Hal and Lois in the airport, while I chose Reese for his uh, misogyny and his going along with uh, Ida's, you know, shenanigans. <laughs> and we had a tie on that one, but <laughs> not between our choices. Wait, what? <laughs> Between my choice of Reese and Jamie. <laughs> with a, a lone dissenting vote going to Dewey. <laughs> I think those votes for Jamie <laughs> may have really been votes I, either for or against David. I'm not sure which. <laughs> because <laughs> for least shitty kid, David chose Jamie. Because he refused to choose Malcolm, who he acknowledged should have gotten it. <laughs> but he didn't want to give it to Malcolm when Malcolm was being shitty. So instead he gave it to Jamie, who was barely in the episode. And the internet agreed. Yeah! <laughs> Jamie won with 66% of the vote. Incredible. With my choice of Malcolm and Dewey each getting a single vote. <laughs> Good job, internet. <laughs> The thing that has already been alluded to <laughs> is that uh, I realized last night as I was uploading the podcast and looking at uh, screenshots of the episode to decide which one to use for the like episode image that uh, we didn't cover the uh, cold open for the episode at all. <laughs> so I put up on Twitter you know, explaining that uh, we skipped it, uh, saying oops. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Easy Eagle... <laughs> reply to that saying that's only the second worst thing to happen on this show <laughs> david's flavor flame disrespect cannot be condoned google public enemy on your next tangent hashtag respect the giant clock i'm a force of soda down the drain now <laughs> literally no one ever has ever defended flavor flame okay no one Likes Flavor Flav. No one. He Even is Flavor a Flav. hype man. That's it. Even Flavor Flav doesn't like Flavor Flav. Look <laughs> at what he did for TV. No one who respects themselves makes a show like that. Wow. <laughs> Have you seen his, what was it, Flavor of Love or whatever? Look, that title alone should have gotten him canceled. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, Devil's Advocate, I'm sure he didn't select the title of the show. I'll see so? Also. <laughs> People don't choose the titles of their show all the time, and they still get canceled for it. <laughs> Paycheck's a paycheck, David. <laughs> I mean, I guess when you're a hype man and you don't make any real money. Wow. <laughs> Listen, I will die on this hill, mostly because I didn't know it existed. <laughs> like two days ago i wouldn't have given a shit about this argument i've literally never met anyone in my life who has defended flavor flame so like if you're legitimately offended i'm very sorry but also what the fuck <laughs> i mean people do really like public enemy now that i've heard public enemy defended but that's not flavor flame that's something that he was connected to. I think people like really like this members. podcast, but they hate me. <laughs> this, it's the same shit. You can like Public Enemy and respect Public Enemy and so, hate Flava Flav. 
<laughs> David. Yeah. Are you saying you're the flavor flame of this podcast? <laughs> I am the fucking hype man. <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> Excellent. Now, where's my reality TV show, bitches? <laughs> I want to be MTV famous for five minutes. VH1 famous, David, please. I'm sorry, you're right. VH1. My apologies. <laughs> I really want you to have business cards now. Let's just say, <laughs> Instead of a clock, you can have a giant ring light that you just wear around your neck. <laughs> Eric, I could do that in about 2.5 seconds. I think you need to. <laughs> yeah, I just have to stand up and unscrew that one. I could totally put that around my neck. I have two ring lights, like, immediately to my right. Did, uh, did not see that. I'm not doing his Coming. stupid catchphrase, which is another reason why he's fucking obnoxious. Do it, David. Do it. No, I'm not doing the stupid Flava Flav thing. No. I hate it. Fine. <laughs> you do it. What a flavor flav. There it is. Yes, he knew he would do it. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking listen. <laughs> yes, we're listening. <laughs> I can't believe anyone there is no one who defends flavor flav. Like this is not real. You guys hired somebody. I talk to fans of, like, old-school rap all the time and purposely piss them off by talking about, like, NWA and Public Enemy and all kinds of people. And, like, no one, no one brings up Flava Flav. Jake, can Fuck. I close down that burner account now? Is it, you think it's... It's <laughs> <laughs> all to us. Okay, well, let's, let's get into the episode proper. Which uh, starts with a cold open, which we definitely won't be skipping this time. <laughs> We've never done that. That's never happened. Yeah, you can't prove it. I think we've actually done it twice, but uh, never. Shut up. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> that wasn't my voice. You can't prove it. But uh, it's a pretty simple one. It uh, starts with Reese walking down the street, and he steps in with presumably some dog poop, and he like looks down at his shoe and says, Damn it! And then starts hopping on one foot, keeping his uh, foot with the dog shit, like, up in the air. And it's a little montage as he's, like, hopping down various streets until he gets home and proceeds to wipe it on Dewey, who's, like, laying in bed reading a comic book. <laughs> Just looks down at his shirt and says, damn it! <laughs> and that is it for the cold open, so... Uh, We'll be uh, covering three plot lines this time, and we're going to be starting with the Reese and Dewey-centric one, as it is the most disconnected. So, uh, Eric, what do you think David named the Reese and Dewey-centric plot line? Well, I don't know if he would double down, because it's already been brought up. What a dick. <laughs> Wow. wow! I can't believe you would just call Eric. me a dick like that. Yeah, I just asked you to name David's plotline. What the fuck? Yeah. So, I don't know if it would be uh, brought back from what we talked about at the top, but I said it was the TIA plot for This Is America. Fair. That that is a good one. It could be the FTL plot. <laughs> no. I went with the IP plot for Emancipa uh, fuck, Emancipation Proclamation. 
so close. First of all, this is the failure to launch plot line. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Jake is shaking his head disapprovingly. <laughs> no, this is the TUEP for the Un-Emancipation Proclamation. <laughs> Truly, David, you are the flavor flame of this podcast. Uh, I'm offended, but a paycheck's a paycheck. (laughs) Okay, well, this plot line starts with uh, Reese and Dewey sitting on the couch watching some cartoons. And Jamie walks in and brings Dewey a soda. And Dewey uh, thanks Jamie. And Reese looks over at what has happened and says, what's going on here? And Dewey says, oh, Jamie's my slave. (laughs) And Reese says, oh, what do you mean he's your slave? You're my slave. To which Dewey replies, slaves can have slaves. This is America. (laughs) And... Uh, Reese offers Dewey his freedom in exchange for Jamie because Dewey has been losing his step recently. (laughs) He says, I know you've been spitting in my sandwiches. I still eat them, but the trust is broken. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Yeah. (laughs) But also, not surprising. (laughs) But Dewey accepts this deal. Then, the next time we come to this plot line, Reese is trying to return Jamie and go back on this deal, saying that uh, Dewey gave him a uh, broken slave. He says that Jamie won't do anything he asks. Watch. And he, like, leans down and, like, screams in Jamie's face, telling him to go get him a soda, and it better be cold or I'm gonna brain you. (laughs) (laughs) And Dewey says... Uh, it's not my fault you don't know how to work him. And he says, watch. And he, like, quietly and calmly tells Jamie, go get him a soda. And Jamie runs off to do it. Which, Reese yells after him, you're doing this because I said so, not because he said so. Then he turns to Dewey and asks him to make Jamie think that's true. (laughs) Then we see Jamie bringing Dewey a comic book, and Dewey, like, pats his head, and Reese watches this happen from the kitchen, and says, Aha! I figured it out! You have a tack in your hand! (laughs) And Dewey says, No, I'm just patting his head. And Reese says, On his soft spot? (laughs) And Dewey says, No, I'm just being nice. To which Reese replies, So he doesn't know when the hit is coming. (laughs) But Dewey says, no, Reese, there is no trick. I'm just showing him respect. And, of course, Reese doesn't get it. And Dewey, like, tries to, you know, continue explaining this, saying that he's just treating him the way that he would want to be treated. And uh, Reese, still confused, just says, let me see the hand thing again. Then we see Dewey trying to teach Reese how to uh, be a human. Because uh, they're like both standing there with Jamie in the kitchen. And I uh, ask Reese to, you know, think about Jamie and then tell him what he thinks about him. But only the good stuff. And Reese turns to Dewey initially and says, well, he's not that terrible. And 
uh, Dewey says, now tell him. And that's where Eric's opening line comes from. As Reese leans down and tells Jamie that he's not as terrible as those other butt munges. <laughs> when uh, Dewey says, good, now pat his shoulder. It's like a slap, but slower. <laughs> Which Reese does. Then uh, Dewey says, okay, now tell him to get you a soda. And Reese, like, once again starts to yell, but Dewey stops him and says, no, repeat after me. And, like, runs him through, like, just kind of politely asking Jamie to do this. And then when he finishes, uh, Reese tries to add a, you idiot or else. <laughs> and Dewey, like, cuts him off again and says, no, no, stop there. And Jamie goes over to the fridge and gets Reese a soda. And he, like, opens it and takes a drink. And he says, you know, I've lost sight of what's important. <laughs> and Dewey, like, starts to encourage him, saying, yeah, that's right. But then Reese goes on, saying, I thought that I liked having a slave who would go get me things, but... What I actually want is to watch a slave suffer while they go get me things. <laughs> you were born in the wrong era, Reese. <laughs> and when uh, Dewey asks, uh, wait, what? Reese punches him in the stomach as he's thanking him for uh, teaching him what's really important. And when Dewey asks, why did you punch me? He says, I had to get that taste out of my mouth. <laughs> He does apologize, at least, which, I mean, is a pretty big step for Reese. He committed an I act suppose. of violence, but, but he also did say sorry for it. So, And this plot line ends with Reese teaching Jamie proper slave protocol as he is, like, crouched down. And he's, like, showing Jamie how he wants Jamie to act while having Jamie act in his place. <laughs> He says, okay, let's take it from the top. I don't want to get you my soda. And then Jamie, like, starts beating him with a wooden spoon. <laughs> and Reese is instructing, saying, you're missing my eye. Make sure to hit my eye. <laughs> I have a nice hypothetical for you before we move on to something else. Specifically for David. But, Jake, I want your opinion on this, too. Would you rather open mouth kiss Flava Flav for five seconds or eat a dewey loogie sandwich in its entirety i mean definitely flavor flavor for me i've definitely eaten worse shit <laughs> <laughs> just saying you could not pay me enough to get a flavor of love all right <laughs> i mean unless you've eaten literal shit i don't know what's worse than like a loogie sandwich so that's pretty bad do, do, do you... is it story time <laughs> it could be we could move on though that would be better as i guarantee you if i tell this story i might vomit people listening <laughs> Definitely will vomit. Story time, story time, story time. Oh. <laughs> Just even thinking about it, my stomach's turning. Oh. Quick, get the sack of ick. Huh? Oh, dude, yeah, everything. First of all, everything we've done for charity and eaten is worse than a Dewey Loogie sandwich, okay? Hard disagree. Uh, oh, dude, you guys are seriously, I'm getting ready to throw. <laughs> Fuck.
Oh, I hate that I'm talking about this. <laughs> nope. Uh, oh. Well, I just Will this ate... be David's first I just podcast ate right moment? before. Make sure to do it where the mic will pick you up, David. I mean, it definitely will if I do. The trash can's only like 10 feet that way, if that. Oh. Oh. That would be quite the projectile vomit to hit it from 10 feet away, though. I gotta say. Oh, no, I'm, ge- I'm going to get it to it. I'm just saying the mic will pick up the sound. Oh, uh, we better be the judge of that. So I don't know. I think we're going to have to hear. This I'd rather story. not. Why are we doing this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't either. I, I said we should move on. <laughs> you said I was the worst. You said I was a known monster. What better way to prove my monstrosity than to get you to throw up on your own show? Make the talent of his own show vomit on air. Come on. Ha! Huh? He said I'm the talent. All right, I'll do it. Uh, no. uh, so, okay. So, when I was working at Burger King, when I was like 15, my buddy Mike was the manager. He was like 18. And we pissed off this dude because his, like, best friend would do... I think I've told the story before, but, like, whenever there was someone who sounded black in the drive-thru... We caught him, like, licking their tomatoes and, like, spitting Uh. on their sandwich and shit. Oh, yeah. Total piece of human garbage, right? So somebody said something about it, and we watched it happen, and then I wrote a little report, and Mike fired him, as he deserves. Well, this made his buddy very, very angry. So, and the way that it would work is we could take either, like, um, any of the stuff that was wasted out, for our lunches or they gave us like a stipend which none of us ever used for our lunch every day and so i took one of those back when they had the like bk double stackers that had sat up there and had wasted out and sat it in the break room marked it with my initials for my lunch because that's how we do it this dude went and scraped the like fried grease drip tray from the boiler that was in the dishwater and scraped the stuff off and slapped it on my burger. And I took the <laughs> biggest bite of this burger. And, uh, dude, even just now, uh, I can still remember. Uh, mm, dude. <laughs> talking like two day old grease and dishwater <laughs> and it was crunchy and soggy at the same time oh, i'm gonna throw up <laughs> like just remembering how it tastes it is the most foul th- i've had rotten milk i have had curdled alcohol i have had so many things that i can't even think i've had toilet wine <laughs> none of it is as bad as my memory of that Oh. That's fair. <laughs> oh, he's gonna go! <laughs> yeah, we did it. <laughs> I don't think Mike's picking it up though. Very disappointed. Haven't actually thrown up yet. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> <laughs> I hate both. <laughs> fair enough. Oh, moving on. Oh, all right. I hate you guys. <laughs> but we love you, David. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the 
other side plot, the HAL-centered plotline. Uh, what do you think David has named this one, Eric? Well, this is the HAL plot, which stands for Huge Avalanche of Laughs, and also Heartbreaker Accidentally Lovestruck. Okay, uh, I'm going to keep it simple and say this is the RC plot for rom-com. <laughs> Jake. This is the failure to launch. <laughs> All right. Uh, listen, eventually I'll get. So would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I did jokingly put all of them as FTL again uh, in my notes just Incredible. to fuck with Jake. But... It makes sense this episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the point. <laughs> I'm just going to keep bringing up failure to launch as much as possible. I need to go watch the movie so I know what it's about. <laughs> I was about to say, for all we've talked about, I've never actually seen the movie. <laughs> Me either. Uh, no, this is the SIU plotline. Or? This is the set it up plotline. All right, we need to make this guy throw up. What the hell is it? No. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Uh, it's a movie that is about... A bunch of friends being like, look, you guys would be better off together and be able to work better together. So we're going to force you guys into this scenario and try to put you in a relationship, which is exactly what they tried to do to Hal. I'm sorry you haven't seen this movie. Also, it's a terrible movie. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen that, but not Failure to Launch, which you're not missing anything, by the way. So, <laughs> so I've heard. Uh, listen, this is one of those. So. My wife and I didn't have a lot of stuff to do down south for, like, several years. So, like, a lot of the the rare times that we got to, like, hang out together, what my wife would do is she'd just pick a random movie off of Amazon and we'd watch it. And my wife was always the one to pick. So it was always some uh, some form of horror film, which I hated, or some form of rom-com, which I hated. So, yeah. Okay, another hypothetical. Would you rather? <laughs> Horror yeah, right. film or rom-com? Uh, probably rom-com, because at least it's easier to sleep to that. <laughs> <laughs> Although, side note, we did watch DC's Flash last night. Totally fell asleep watching that fucking movie. It's terrible. It was not great. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So, this plot line starts... With uh, Hal sitting outside, bored because he has been kicked out of the house by Lois for uh, reasons we will cover in the other plotline. And he is watching some ants. In particular, he's watching one ant who's carrying a big leaf and talking about how when he gets back, he's going to be a hero. The queen won't kick him out. <laughs> That's right. Then he sees his neighbor, Steve, uh, walking down the street, and he, like, runs over to talk to him and asks what's going on in his life. Anything fun? <laughs> and initially, Steve tells him, uh, no, you know, uh, me and my wife don't really do anything fun. We're kind of a stay-at-home couple. And Hal says, yeah, yeah, me too. Then he tells him that, uh, you know, uh, right now, Lois has mono, and so, uh... You know, she kicked me out of the room, and I don't have anything to do for the next two weeks. And Steve says, and it's absolutely certain that your wife won't be back up anytime <laughs> sooner than that? 
And Hal says, no, but thanks for asking. (laughs) (laughs) And with assurances that Lois can't possibly come, Steve (laughs) invites Hal to a luau that he and his wife are throwing. It was sort of a last minute thing. (laughs) 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 And we follow Hal to this luau, which is like very like a... well set up and like clearly very well thought out with like a full roasted pig and like everyone has a you know the, the hawaiian shirts and the lays and uh, how's like talking about how great this party is and how impressive it is they threw this together and one of their other neighbors says well yeah they had to beat that uh uh, medieval theme that one of the other couples did and 70s night <laughs> And upon hearing this, Hal says, wait, you guys do this all the time? And, like, everyone gets quiet as they think that Hal's, you know, going to be offended that they've clearly not been inviting him to these things. But instead, he says, I'm so sorry. I never extend out to other people. I just get in my car and go to work and then drive back home. It never even occurs to me to talk to my neighbors. I'm so sorry. And everyone, like, reassures him that, you know, it's fine. And then uh, Hal says, you know what? Once Lois is feeling better, we'll have a party at our house. (laughs) And once again, everything goes quiet. (laughs) And Steve says, uh, I think we need to talk about that at some point. (laughs) And Hal, once again, not picking up on things, says... Oh, no, you're right. I'm trying to uh, rush this friendship ahead. You have to take these things slow. (laughs) And uh, Steve says, yeah, and everyone, like, starts partying again. (laughs) And we just see Hal winning at Limbo. (laughs) Uh, Destroying at Limbo. (laughs) He sure was. He's the Limbo king. It was very impressive Limbo. (laughs) Then the next time we come back to this plot line... Uh, we once again see Hal at, like, uh, one of these parties, and he's, like, over by the barbecue grill doing impressions, and, uh, Steve and his wife are talking about how great Hal is and how unfortunate it is that he's stuck with that woman. (laughs) (laughs) And Steve says that, uh, you know, uh, uh, who would be perfect for him? Ellie. Who is their, like, divorced friend. And initially, his wife is, like, say, like, laughing it off. And then, uh, Hal does a Jack Nicholson impression. It's so good, it convinces her to go along with this, uh, plan to set Hal up with their friend Ellie. (laughs) Which we then see them introduce the two of them. And they, like, immediately hit it off as Hal's just, you know, being his, uh, like, king of the party self. Not realizing this is supposed to be a setup, as uh, Ellie asks him if he, uh, if, if they want to uh, go, what does it say, hop into a drink? Uh, or something like that. She, she phrases jo- it like weirdly so that he drink. can then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that he can then say, yeah, well, if you think we'll both a drink, fit. Jake. <laughs> Just remember that was weird phrasing. Join it's... me for a drink is not weird. His joke. Join her in a drink, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Snap yeah, into a slim yeah, jam, specifically hop into a drink. In a drink, yes. Yeah, that's not weird. Which is what makes it weird. <laughs> it is. No, it's not. Yes, it's pretty commonplace. It is not. You're wrong on this one, Jake. I'm sorry. <laughs> is it or is it not a weird phrasing, Eric? 
join her in a drink is a weird way for her to say it as an American. See? Oh, yeah. As he's like, as an American. Eh. Which, no, Even but I'm saying, like, that's, that's why he, like, adopts a British, She's not British. accent. <laughs> and? That wasn't my argument, Jake. I said it's not a strange thing to have said. Fuck you, David. What? <laughs> I think that's the joke is why Hal adopts a British accent to repeat the joke. My, do you think we'll both fit? I think that's. Yeah, exactly. Because it's a very British thing to say. Yeah, she's Jake not was just being non-inclusive. <laughs> Fuck the British. Uh, uh, wow. <laughs> Damn. And last year, a British listener to this show, in which case you're great. <laughs> wow. But everyone in England who doesn't listen to this show go fuck themselves. <laughs> wow. Bunch of colonizer bastards. I'm the one who's going to go off the deep end with Eric here. Yeah, let me tell you. God, Jake. I, You know, I try so hard <laughs> to just bring this together and you just... You just can't keep it under control. <laughs> would you rather be British or would you rather be Flavor Flav? <laughs> British. Flavor Flav, obviously. <laughs> that is not obvious. Also, terrible choice. Dude. He has his own VH1 show, David. What Bad. do English people have? Terrible food? The BBC? They do have spotted Ooh. dick, Jake. Part of Ireland? <laughs> wow. I just uh, alienated all of our Irish listeners right there. <laughs> it's okay. We've still got Scotland. <laughs> all right. We're shitting on the Irish and the British, David. They probably love us now. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. <laughs> Quick, everyone, go buy a kilt. <laughs> We're all Jared now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> then uh, Hal walks Ellie home and they have the like stereotypical like, you know, moment uh, at her doorstep. And they're uh, like talking and she's talking about, you know, how great of a time she had. And Hal saying that he had a great time too. And she says that it's like her first night out in what feels like forever. And Hal says... Uh, yeah, I was the same way, but I, I can't believe, you know, once I got out there that I, I found something amazing uh, on my own block. Clearly talking about these parties. <laughs> Ellie thinks she's talking about her. <laughs> she does the, like, stereotypical, like, oh, Hal. <laughs> Which Hal, of course, doesn't pick up on any of it. Ellie says that, uh, you know, they should uh, do this again. Which uh, Hal... You know, obviously agrees to not understanding that this was a date in her mind. <laughs> and Hal invites her to the Mexican Fiesta night tomorrow. And they stand there awkwardly for a second and she says that she doesn't know how to do this anymore. And Hal tells her to just say goodnight. And she like smiles wistfully and says goodnight and watches Hal as he walks away. <laughs> and... Uh, we get a montage of some more of uh, Hal and Ellie's non-dates. <laughs> yes. We see the, uh, like Hal once again like picking Ellie up at her house. 
and then they're at the party, and it seems like they're, it's like a, you know, romantic shot of a kiss, and it turns out it's actually them, like, uh, passing an orange back and forth using only their necks as part of, like, a party game. Then Hal, like, romantically, like, uh, holds out, like, holds out some, uh, food for her to eat, like, directly from his hands, and she, like, eats it and, like, looks, like, uh, wistfully into the distance, and then Hal walks to the person behind her and does the exact same thing for, like, two other people behind her. <laughs> and then it ends with Hal giving her a, like, vase full of flowers, which she looks... Like, gets a big smile as she, like, walks away with it, and then Hal turns around and starts cleaning up, like, the mess of a, like, broken glass table that this vase was clearly on. <laughs> and, uh, that wraps up the, uh, montage. And they're, like, once again talking at her door, and she says that, uh, she's, uh, falling for someone, and Hal tells her that... You know, she's a great lady. I'm sure whoever it is you have feelings for feels the same way. <laughs> and then he walks away and, like, says to himself, Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> then the next time Hal goes to pick Ellie up for one of these parties, she says, you know, she's been thinking it over and she thinks that th it's just too soon. And Hal says... Well, they said 7.30. <laughs> and she says, uh, No, Hal, you, you don't understand. I'm just not ready. And Hal, still thinking, you know, she's talking about going to the party, says, Well, if you're not ready, you're not ready. <laughs> and she says, you know, he has a, a great uh, outlook on these things. Never lose that. <laughs> and then, like, closes the door. And Hal just, like, turns turns around and walks away with a big, unknowing smile. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to another one of these neighborhood parties. And when Steve and his wife ask him uh, where Ellie is, Hal says, Ah, oh, she said that she wasn't ready yet. <laughs> and <laughs> they, understanding what she meant, unlike Hal, say, that, you know, ah, oh, that, that's uh, too bad. You know, some people just cling to relationships that no one around them understands. Right, Hal? And finally picking up on something, Hal uh, asks them, you know, what do you mean? And they, uh, like, finally clarify, or at least starts to clarify uh, their uh, issues with Lois. They say that, you know, uh, it's just that you're so fun and your wife, and then they, like, uh, trail off, and Hal has to, like, make them conclude. And they say that Lois is kind of a pill <laughs> and hal says you know that's just your opinion i'm sure no one else here feels that way and he like turns to the party and everyone just like looks <laughs> down and refuses to engage and hal says well i'm not going to sit down and eat with people who don't like my wife and he starts to march away and then thinks about it and marches over to the table with all of the food and very angrily makes himself like a full plate and then marches out of the party. With sauce and everything, which is great to see him scooping sauce angrily. <laughs> a good kebab is nothing without good sauce, all right? <laughs> and that is where we will wrap up that plot line, leaving only the titular... Malcolm and Lois Center <laughs> plotline. 
<laughs> was collecting oh, evil I hate that I named it this now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think he named this? Is it possibly the DSLVSUSEC plot for denim, satin, leather, vinyl, suede, ultra suede, even carpet? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, did you call this the BM plot for Billy Mays? <laughs> no. Only one thing came to my mind during this plotline, Jake. And it's because of the way that they talked. This is the FP plotline. <laughs> For Ferizzle, my pizzle? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <sighs> Listen, you cannot tell me that they did not sound just as fucking absurd. Well, we'll talk about it when we get to that plot point. But I have a weird personal connection to this plot point. <laughs> you Specifically would. that part. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, oh. What's your hypothetical, Eric? Okay, I would like to know uh, whether you would like to watch an episode of Flavor of Love. Or, wait, no, let me take that back. 24 hours of Flavor of Love or 24 hours of the uh, Bedazzler infomercial on repeat. Hmm. Is death an option? That's what sound awful. And I'll take Bedazzler for 300, Alex. You can't just sleep through it either. You can't be like, oh, well, I'll just you know, watch it for 20 minutes and then try to sleep the rest of the way. Like, you, it only counts, like, 24 active hours of you engaging in watching the show. That's like a Groundhog Day thing for me, then, because I'm just going to do it a little bit every day. I, I, I think I'd take Flavor of Love, because, like, that at least has, like, plot lines. Does it? Yeah. I mean fabricated plot lines but at least it would be different it'd be not the same exact thing over and over for because how long is the infomercial yes. an hour two hours tops that just repeats like literally the same thing so yeah i, I have I children i'm fine <laughs> fair <laughs> yeah the infomercial thing does feel a little too close to the groundhog day thing for me I think that's right. I have to go <laughs> too much too soon <laughs> Listen, I'll do I'll do the Groundhog Day thing. Flavor of love, not worth it. Okay. Would you rather watch Groundhog's Day every day for a year or watch Flavor of Love every day for a year? Uh, I think I'd rather watch one episode of Flavor of Love a day. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd much rather do that. Yeah, it's a lot shorter. Not, me. <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> Groundhog Day at least has good actors. Yeah. But... I think you stopped believing that after about 200 episodes or 200. Yeah, they were really phoning it in in those last performances. <laughs> You're not wrong. Except that waitress. She never did drop those beers. Very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's get into this plot line. Oh, you said you had a connection. Uh, I will tell that when we get to okay. the uh, Bedazzler stuff. All right, I didn't want to overlook your thing with my stupid hypotheticals. Oh, no, but... you're fine. <laughs> we would never forget to cover something on this show, Eric. That's <laughs> yeah, we literally, talk. yeah. We're so meticulous. <laughs> and Jake makes such a detailed episode outline. How could we ever miss a part of an episode? Right? And I'm actually just, like, scrolling past a whole part of the outline and ignoring it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it starts with Lois... Uh, whispering angrily at the boys 
as she is, like, leaned over, like, clearly, like, visibly sick, telling the boys that if they want to act like dogs, she'll treat them like dogs. And Malcolm turns to camera and says, This is great. Lois has mono. All those years of stepping on cracks finally paid off. <laughs> I mean, it's no broken back, but I'll take it. Then Hal comes in and tells Lois, You'll have plenty of time to yell at the boys once you're feeling better. We need to get you to bed. The uh, doctor said you need uh, two weeks of bed rest. And besides, you're very contagious. And as uh, she is like, being guided away, she stops as she realizes Malcolm has something on the side of his face, and she, like, stops and licks her thumb and wipes it off. And, of course, that gives Malcolm Bono as well. We, uh, get the reveal of that as it, like, cuts directly to a sick-looking Malcolm, like, uh, packing stuff up. And Reese says, I can't wait for everyone at school to find out you got the kissing disease from mom, which is going to happen, right? And then he, like, clicks on the mouse and says, now. <laughs> oh, Reese. And Malcolm says, it's not like I was kissing mom. You guys saw what happened. And Reese says, yeah, we saw you on the couch making out with mom. Right, Dewey? And Dewey says, it was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm says no she just licked her finger and uh, wiped my face <laughs> and Reese says we don't want the details perv <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Hal brings Jamie into the boys' room and tells him none of your mom's monster germs can get you in here <laughs> and he says uh, you know, this is just until your mom is feeling better. To which Dewey replies, he's never leaving, is he? <laughs> <laughs> but Hal says, you know, don't be ridiculous. As soon as Lois feels better, he'll be back in our room. And Reese says, that's what you said about Dewey when you had Reenworm. Are you taking Dewey back now that your Reenworm is gone? To which Hal says... Uh, that we're still on yellow alert with that situation. <laughs> <laughs> then Malcolm, like, starts to head out to the living room, complaining about how much he hates sleeping on the couch. But Hal redirects him, saying, Oh no, you can't sleep out of the living room, you'll infect everyone. And Malcolm asks then, where am I supposed to sleep? And Hal, like, points towards his and Lois's room. Which, of course, Malcolm immediately says, oh no, <laughs> as he's, like, guided towards the room. And then he says, okay, I can get through this. I'll read a lot, I'll sleep a lot. And then as soon as he steps in the room, Lois says that she wants to apologize in advance. Uh, because she has gas to beat the band. <laughs> then we see Malcolm, like, reading a skateboarding magazine in bed. And as he turns the page, Lois tells him uh, to stop because she's not done with that page yet. <laughs> she's like reading over his shoulder. And Malcolm says, don't you have something you can read over there? But she says she's too tired to turn the pages herself. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Hal comes in with a bandana over his face as a mask and a grabber arm <laughs> and a yardstick and a tray with crackers and cheese whiz on it. He is here to deliver snacks. Which he uses the grabber to like hand the uh, crackers to them, but like drops it and spills it everywhere on the way. 
When when Lois goes to eat one of the crackers, he says, uh, not without the fun part. And he uses the grabber and the yardstick to put some cheese whiz on the cracker for her. <laughs> Pretty ingenious. And Lois tells him to just go away. And Hal says, I thought you might appreciate a little human contact being locked in here. And she says, you've been in here every five minutes. What we need is rats to leave us alone. Which is where uh, Hal leaves feeling very distraught to go watch the ants. Complete with like a little sad look back and a couple sad clicks <laughs> on the grabber. I love, I, <laughs> I love the little imagery as he's walking out in the little like... Clack, clack, clack. <laughs> That's very uh, good. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, with him gone, uh, Malcolm rolls over, and as he does, like, pulls the blankets off Lois, who tells him, you know, don't be a blanket hog, you're just like your dad in bed. Uh, <laughs> Which then cuts over to Malcolm with a very disgusted look. <laughs> you know, that's fair. <laughs> then... Uh, we see them watching TV together, and Lois is holding the remote, changing the channels, and Malcolm keeps saying no on everything. Then uh, Lois, like, gets to a channel, and she says, okay, this is where we're keeping it, despite Malcolm having said no on that one as well. And Malcolm says, you know, they agreed that they would uh, choose something that they both wanted, and that's what they would stay on. And Lois tells him, look, once you buy a house, you can make up rules and then break them. <laughs> and Malcolm, like, tries to take the remote away from her, and they have, like, a little fight with it. And they end up dropping it on the floor, and as it hits the floor, the uh, station changes to the shopping channel. And they are both watching as this uh, commercial for the uh, Pizzazzler, which is the legally distinct from a Bedazzler product. <laughs> <laughs> will uh, be important to the rest of this plot line. <laughs> and they're like, initially like making fun of it as they're, uh, you know, watching this infomercial, you know, talking about how uh, they're going to take this boring old leather jacket and spice it up. <laughs> but after uh, like, you know, their, their initial sarcasm about it, they both start to get really into it. With Lois saying, wow, look at those oven mitts. And Malcolm saying, are you kidding me? That's nothing compared to that wallet. (laughs) (laughs) And they then uh, both become obsessed with this product. As it then like cuts to the next day. As they're both just staring ahead. Quoting along with this infomercial. (laughs) Listing the like various fabrics that can be pizzazzled. Dude, I I feel that though, like not with Bedazzler specifically, but like I definitely have watched an infomercial so many times that I could quote it before. So that that uh, as they're uh, like quoting along with it, we see them uh, using their Pizzazzler as they are putting these rhinestones on their blankets as they're laying in bed, still watching the infomercial. <laughs> then uh, we see them uh like once again uh going along with, with uh you know continuing to pizzazzle everything as uh lois is pizzazzling malcolm's shirt and he asks if uh, is this going to be uncomfortable and lois says uh well uh it might be but uh you have to make sacrifices if you're going to be uh pizzazzless 
And Malcolm says that uh, he hadn't uh, thought of it Pizzazz way. Uh. <laughs> it's where this spotlight becomes weirdly relatable to me. As in senior year of high school, in my creative writing class, which was like, it ended up being like a like secondary friend group for me is like, uh, we all became friends. We went to, like, conferences and stuff as well. And there was a point where, like, we were talking about movies in class for some reason. And uh, someone had described uh, the, the movie Bedazzled, but, like, none of us could think of the name of it. And then, like, 20 to 30 minutes later, just, like, in the middle of class, the girl who had been talking about it just, like, screamed out, Bedazzled! <laughs> <laughs> Which then became, within that friend group, like, a running joke of we would just say bedazzle all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Including, not quite this, we didn't have, like, our own bedazzle language, but we would, like, come up with, like, very forced puns to force it into conversations. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, <laughs> uh, things like uh, have you been using teeth whitener because lately your smile's just been really bedazzling <laughs> no <laughs> and just very dumb stuff like that for like most of my senior year this was like just a dumb running joke <laughs> between this friend group and me which now, every time I watch this episode, that is all I can think of. <laughs> I, yes, David? I want to judge you. But I can't. Because it's 100% the type of shit we do. Fair. All right, Thanks, I, I have hate a, it here. Another hypothetical for David, then. Would, would you rather... Oh, I'll give you three options. No, no, because you already, you already said that one wasn't that bad. Okay, I'll go back just to the two options. Still the the open mouth kiss, flavor flav. It now is twenty seconds. Or every time you speak, you have to pepper in the word bedazzled. Every time you speak, no matter what it is, whether you're talking to Lisa, whether you're talking to your sons, whether any time you speak, you have to at least wedge that word in there. I'll be the most bedazzled motherfucker in the world. <laughs> I'm going to go buy me a bedazzler, so it makes sense. <laughs> uh, hey, David, who's your favorite X-Men? Mine's bedazzler. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to the episode. You're going to make this weird. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, make this weird? <laughs> Listen, I agree it's weird, but, you know, it's not my fault. Oh, sure. Blame me, like you always do. I mean, honestly, this episode's been weird since you declared yourself the flavor flame of the podcast. No. That's what made this podcast no. weird, David. No. I didn't say that. You it said It was heavily implied. Still not saying it. <laughs> Fair enough, I suppose. Using Jake logic on this one. Boom. You are technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Futurama rules, motherfucker. <laughs> but uh, then Hal once again comes in to check on them uh, and, you know, tell them that he's going to this uh, party at the neighbor's house. And he asks if they're okay. And 
Uh, Lois says, yeah, we're doing fine. And Malcolm says, uh, Fizzizine. And Lois uh. like nods and says, yeah, Fizzizine. <laughs> and Lois says, they're feeling Mizach Bazazer. <laughs> Which I'll ask them, are you taking your medicine? <laughs> and when they tell him to gizzo away, he like tries to get on it and says, okay, gizzizod bizzayze. And they both just, like, stare blankly at him. And Lois says, Hal, you're not making any sense. And Malcolm says, yeah, that was really weird, Dad. <laughs> and then Hal walks away and they both laugh. Poor Hal. <laughs> then uh, when we come back, uh, it's like a fairly close shot of them both, like, laying in bed. And Malcolm asks if Lois wants to pizzazzle some more stuff, but she says she's kind of pizzazzled out. And then the camera, like, uh, pulls back and shows that the entire room has now been pizzazzled. <laughs> <laughs> like, the furniture, the walls, everything is covered in rhinestones. It's fantastic. It's, oh, it's <laughs> my personal nightmare. Then... They decide to do each other's hair. <laughs> Excuse me, they make a dezeal to do each other's hair. <laughs> <laughs> and we then see them having done each other's hair is Malcolm's hair is now like dyed and like spiked and Lois's hair is just like a tangle of like ribbons and clips. <laughs> And uh, Malcolm asks, do you want me to do your nails again? But Lois says, I don't think there's anything you could do to improve them. And she asks, uh, well, what should we do now? And they decide on truth or dare. And Malcolm goes first and uh, takes truth. And Lois asks him, what's the worst thing you've ever done? <laughs> and Malcolm very wisely <laughs> asks for full immunity before answering. <laughs> Which she grants complete with a pinky promise. <laughs> Which I mean, fair. Also, <laughs> I don't believe his uh, truth here. He's definitely done worse. I believe Malcolm believes this is the worst thing. <laughs> okay, he's done. that's fair. You know what, Jake? Fair. <laughs> totally true. <laughs> uh, and he says that when the Harrises were on vacation, he drove their car for the entire week that they were gone. And when Lois is, like, shocked by this, he says, it's not as bad as it sounds. They left their window open. <laughs> he says, a lot of people keep a spare key to their car in their kitchen drawers. Except the Goldmans. They keep theirs in a fake soup can. <laughs> <laughs> then... Uh, they're interrupted as Hal once again comes in to check on them and he like takes a half step back as he walks in and sees all the <laughs> rhinestones on everything. That, that is an appropriate response. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but uh, then he like uh, tells them more about these parties he's been going to and uh, <laughs> says that uh, you know that uh, lady Ellie that loves up the block? She's a lot more fun than she seems. I think she's met a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Lois, much like Hal did earlier, says, good for her. <laughs> <laughs> then 
<laughs> the next time we see Malcolm and Lois, Lois is like sticking out her tongue to show Malcolm that her, you know, mouth is empty. And Malcolm says, wow, I can't believe you ate that dead fly. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, I play for keeps. <laughs> Hypothetical. <laughs> I'll eat the dead fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. Well, that was the question. Eat the dead fly or have your room pizzazzled like that for a week. Oh, yeah. I'll eat the dead fly. Yeah, that's fine. I thought we were still stuck on the favor. Absol- absolutely thing. not. Pizzazzle it's just, away. It's just a week. <laughs> yeah, but I. Well, wait. Is someone else undoing it, or do I How have to do the work of undoing it? <laughs> flavor Flav will undo it. But the oh, entire yeah, no, time I'll he's the, there, I'll eat the dead fly. I'll eat the dead fly. Every rhinestone he takes down, flavor, 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 flavor. That would be how he does it because it's the only thing he can do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? Listen, this is just going to escalate. <laughs> are we, are we going to end up in a feud with Flavor Flav? <laughs> I'm already there, Jake. <laughs> and just like him, he doesn't know I exist. No one else knows he exists. <laughs> We're on even playing field. Wow. wow. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> oh. <laughs> Uh, but then we see the game of truth or dare continue as Lois says truth. And Malcolm asks her how she knew he was the one who set the couch on fire. <laughs> uh, he left false evidence. He he got Stevie to be his alibi. Uh, he even had Hal thinking that Reese did it. How did you know it was me? And Lois says, I didn't. You were just the first kid I saw when I started yelling, and you immediately buckled. (laughs) (laughs) Crumbling under pressure? Malcolm, no way. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she reveals that a lot of times she's just going off of instinct. (laughs) And Malcolm says, you know, it must be really hard, you know, keeping up that facade of, you know, always being in control and always knowing everything. You know, for all of these years. She says that it is, but, you know, she feels like it's her job as a mom. And if she shows any hesitation or weakness, then they will take advantage of it. (laughs) And Malcolm says that, you know, he kind of feels the same way. He he doesn't always want to fight when he comes home from school, but he feels like it's his job to fight with her. (laughs) And they, like, have this bonding moment and... Uh, Malcolm says, you know, if I, I think if we uh, knew what the other was thinking in a lot of these situations, we'd probably just end up laughing. And Lois says, yeah, we probably would. Then the episode wraps up with uh, Lois and Malcolm, you know, finally feeling better and out of this bed. And Lois is talking to Hal, saying that she'll uh, take the rhinestones down. But <laughs> Hal says, uh, don't bother. <laughs> Last night was like having sex inside of a star. then uh lois notices that the fridge has been left open and yells asking who left this door open and malcolm comes in and says that it was him and they like start to fight but then malcolm like stops himself and starts to laugh and he starts to tell lois like hey do you remember but lois cuts him off saying why are you laughing do you think wasting electricity is funny And the moment passes immediately as Malcolm starts yelling back. And the episode ends with a 
Typical screaming match between Lois and Malcolm. I love that Hal is just like sitting there reading a newspaper too. He's also leaving the, the refrigerator door open. Like he couldn't even be bothered to shut it himself. Like what the hell is yes. wrong with this family? Well, you see, Eric, if he closes it himself, then he endangers himself because Lois might turn on him and say, <laughs> no, he has to do it to learn his lesson. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> That might be so, but you, I mean, would, wouldn't he maybe also potentially get, like, brownie points if he made, like, a show out of it? Or do we think Lois enjoys the the screaming and yelling enough that uh, that if Hal took that from her, she'd be upset? Uh, I think Lois would definitely be upset. <laughs> this may be one of those moments where I'm, like, projecting because I distinctly remember basically this exact scenario from my own childhood <laughs> of, like, being yelled at for not doing something by my mom and my dad just goes, ah, I'll just do it and does it, and then she yells at him for doing it when she was yelling at us to do it, and <laughs> how are they going to learn if you don't make them do it? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Plus, now she's rejuvenated. My mother also got that lesson from our grandparents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that wraps this episode up. So let's go to our awards. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Awards. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Awards. Okay, well, as usual, we will start with our Roller Skating Keen Award, our award for the best visual moment. Uh, Eric, what did you have for this one? Uh, so, as much as I loved the uh, the Green Mile kind of uh, revealed, like the the pan out of like the the hallway getting longer and longer, and the ominous music playing um, as Malcolm realized that he was going to be forced to go to the master bedroom. My my shot was the the pretty basic one, the bedroom reveal, the pan out with all the rhinestones everywhere. I feel like I probably stole that from Jake. Especially ironic, <laughs> considering like if they were up and moving about and then putting all these rhinestones on every inch floor to ceiling, they could have just gotten a remote and changed the channel. But they <laughs> Stockholm. My note was they Stockholm syndrome themselves with the infomercials. They sure did. <laughs> But that, that was, in fact, my first choice. <laughs> By the time they started moving, Eric, they wanted to watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, what did you go with for this award, David? Um, I went with uh, Hal's Jack Nicholson impression. <laughs> the face that he makes doing it is just so perfect. I love it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, as I said, uh, Eric already stole my first choice, which was the bedazzled bedroom. But I will go with my backup, which is the uh, quote-unquote date montage mm, uh, that Hal has. Just uh, <laughs> all of these moments that they, they do such a good job of like presenting it, like filming it the way that they would if it was a legitimate romance, and mm. then just like going either going to another shot or panning over. To, like, reveal the, like, joke of it not being the date is <laughs> just really well done. I would agree. I agree. Yeah, for sure. And what did you have for your hot dog with mustard? Your award for the best luck. <laughs> the, the exchange between uh, Reese and Hal when Reese asks if they're going to 
take Dewey back now that Hal Springform is better. I legitimately use this in real life, like the, the whole deadpan deliver. I told you, we're still on yellow alert with that. Absolutely priceless. I, I love it. Uh, what did you have, David? Uh, I had the scene with Malcolm and Lois as Hal comes in and tries to jump in on their secret language. They both look at him and, Hal, you're not making any sense. <laughs> After the insanity of what they're saying is just the funniest shit to me. Uh, that, that was my first choice as well, Dave. <laughs> and the yellow alert was my backup line, so oh, I will shit. go with my third choice, which comes from Dewey. And it's when he's explaining to Reese what a pat on the shoulder is. And he says, it's like a slap, but slower. <laughs> yeah, that one's good. And moving on to our next award, uh, which of these plot lines did you choose as the A plot of your heart? I gave mine to the Hal side plot, going to the neighborhood parties. I mean, some of the jokes that he made were obviously lame, but Hal does have that kind of personality that would make him a lot of fun to have at parties and to pal around with all the time. So, I For sure. That. What about you, David? Man, I really like... <sighs> okay, so... As horrible as it is, I actually really like the Reese Dewey plotline, mostly because it reminds me of this time when I was a kid, when I was dumb enough to tell my parents that they treated me like a slave. <laughs> so then they made me be a quote unquote slave for a day. In other words, I just had to like, I just had to do it. Hang on. Let me follow through. <laughs> no, like the reality of what they did was they just made me do what every kid has to do. And they just asked a little bit more of me that day. <laughs> like, they didn't call me names or anything. But my dad was like, all right, you think we treat you like a slave? You're going to be a slave for the day. And it was just like, I did a week's worth of chores in one day, is all it really was. <laughs> but apparently that was enough to fucking break me. <laughs> and I never could, like, use slave as a comparison or complaint ever again after that. And and just because of, like, that and, like, the whole, like, Dewey trying to essentially use positive reinforcement to do to Jamie what Reese had done to him with physical violence, which was very much so, like, my shtick, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I chose that plot line. Okay, well, we're going to round things out then, because I went with the Lois and Malcolm <laughs> plot line. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Covering all the bases. <laughs> <laughs> and who did you choose as your top skate dog, your favorite character? I also went with Hal. Like, his unwavering devotion to Lois is incredible. Like, he's so in love with that woman and that woman alone. That he's just completely oblivious to attention from anyone else. It's very endearing. I like that a lot. Fair enough. Who did you go with, David? I also chose Hal. For all the things that Eric said... And, and stealing the sappiness, but also because he was way ahead of the time and he knew how to properly quarantine and how to use a ghetto mask and gloves. <laughs> he was prepared. And I know why. But we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also went with Hal. Despite not liking his plot line the best, I do... Love his just, like, completely oblivious, unintentional romancing of this one. It's especially funny to me knowing, like, 
the quote-unquote Wilkerson curse, which we've determined is just Hal <laughs> being Hal. Yeah. he's in a romantic situation but i love seeing like how unintentionally like smooth he is in the situation where he doesn't think that's what's going on <laughs> but which does help uh you know make it clear that it's just that like hal gets in his own head so much he just ruins any situation <laughs> yeah yeah it only works when he's not cognizant of what's going on <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> Who did you give your Cloris Leachman Award, your award for the best acting? So I was going to give it to Brian Cranston for his impersonations, but I feel like one of us is always giving it to him seemingly every episode. So instead I went with uh, Jane Kaczmarek as Lois. I think that she did an incredible job at playing sick, like uh, lethargic and bedridden. And then she's back to her usual self at the end of the episode, showing just a lot of range in between. So Fair enough. Who did you go with, David? Uh, I went with Eric Persullivan uh, for the same reason of I didn't want to keep giving it to Brian Cranston. <laughs> and also, I think he did a phenomenal job of just like the 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 facial expressions, the, the interaction in the cold open was funny. And I think most of all, he is like so good at playing it off that he's better than Reese uh, in the whole like Jamie Reese exchange thing there but he's really just more manipulative okay well <laughs> i started to give it to brian cranston but then i went nah someone else will get brian cranston <laughs> uh, <laughs> and i actually chose to give it to kathleen york who is the lady who plays ellie <laughs> because nice. i think she did such a good job in those scenes with brian cranston uh, because so much of like what makes those scenes funny and work is the like difference in their like body language and delivery mm -hmm. and it's kind of reliant on her like playing it very straightforward as like uh you know straightforward romance and she does a fantastic job of, with that which uh i think makes brian cranston's like oblivious like much wackier performance work as a joke in the episode yeah all really good selections Poor yeah. Brian Cranston. <laughs> Shut out. <laughs> you win too much. And they start taking it from you. Well, uh, who did you give your Mrs. Dabney Award? Your award for the worst parent. Yeah, Hal. Uh, sadly, I have to go with Hal. But, you know, Lois is bedridden with illness. And Hal just screws off from the rest of the family. And all the responsibilities of being a parent and a spouse to go hang out with neighbors, ostensibly leaving Reese, Dewey and Jamie to just fend for themselves. Like he just says, yeah, you're there. on your own. David, who did you go with? Lois, obviously. Why, why did you go with Lois over how? Well, Lois learns absolutely nothing from her time bonding with her child and does absolutely nothing to be any different or better or ha keep any real connection that she's actually made and in fact damages it even more when she returns from being sick and just completely ruins any chance of Malcolm being actually a good person. So uh yeah, I'm I'm going with Lois on this. Uh I actually went with Lois for the exact same reason, David. She had this moment with Malcolm that could have been this like Olive ranch between them. It could have been, you know, this this bridge to repair their relationship. And Malcolm offered it, and she fucking swatted it down instantly. 
<laughs> and went back to everything as normal. No growth for anyone. That's right. She did get him sick as well, so you're starting to win me true. over to your side. <laughs> yeah. That, that is true. She did immediately after Hal pointing out she's very contagious. Lick her own finger and then put it on Malcolm's face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, moving on to our next award, what did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment or detail that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. <laughs> okay, so another sports merchandise related thing that hopefully uh, <laughs> blows up into another 20-minute argument. <laughs> so, in the scene... Don't do it, you're wrong. <laughs> Where Hal wheels Jamie's crib into the boys' room, there's a wastebasket next to the desk, which is for the San Diego Chargers. Now, the Chargers originally were founded and played a single season in Los Angeles before moving to San Diego in 1961, where they stayed until 2017 before moving back to Los Angeles. So while they would remain in that city for another decade after the show's run, I wonder if the connection to the show was more related to longtime quarterback Philip Rivers, who famously just fathered his 10th child. So I like to think that the showrunners made a subtle connection about one big family to another. Okay. <laughs> there wasn't uh, a dolphin anywhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> what? Listen, I couldn't think of anything <laughs> like it was very clearly a san diego chargers thing so i was like huh what's the furthest thing away from the chargers i could think of my mind went to geographically the furthest nfl team away so i was like dolphins got it incredible <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, this is why i wish i thought in pictures instead of words because sometimes my brain will just word association <laughs> And it's troubling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, what was your OK Boomer Award, David? Um, I went with referring to mono as the kissing disease. I haven't heard that since I was, like, a small child. Okay. Fair enough, I guess. Although, I will point out that in the uh, <laughs> in the preview for last week... Where we, when you were informed that it was called mono, you said, "Well, clearly it's going to be Malcolm who gets the quote kissing, kissing disease. disease." Right? Yes. Yeah. Because I've it never, yeah, I've never heard anyone younger than me say like call it that ever. Okay. And I haven't heard it since we were in like middle school age. Like I've heard people, I've heard more people, I think, refer to it by its actual medical name than the kissing disease as an adult. I mean, that that's fair, but I also can't think of a conversation I've had with someone younger than me about mono, so. <laughs> Listen, I'm old, I'm the dad, I've definitely done the dad thing of like, eh, watch it, you're gonna get mono, uh, teasing my nephews and stuff, you know. Okay. And then I had to explain what It's the kissing disease, David. <laughs> you know what? That's what I'm gonna start saying, and just leave it at that. I'm gonna be like our parents- no information, <laughs> just rhetoric. Parents, I learned what mono was through sitcoms, David. <laughs> sitcoms and Wayne's World. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, kind of the same. Like, because mono came up, and then my mom was like, I got mono. And then the sitcom would explain that it was the kissing disease, and then I'd be like, ew, gross. 
because I was like eight. Fair. <laughs> I went with uh, sort of broadly the uh, infomercial and more specifically the popularity of the Bedazzler oh, as my God, OK Boom yeah. reward. Because the uh, Bedazzler has apparently been around since the 70s, but mm -hmm. did like reach its peak popularity in the 2000s. Uh, largely because of the prevalence of infomercials. Well, and Jake, you could bedazzle anything. That's true. You can even budazzle. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. We are not getting... No. Go the fuck back to the 90s. Get the fuck out of here. Well, David. Ugh. Vajazzling came into the public consciousness in my senior year of high school when we were all constantly making bedazzle jokes. No. So I also have heard a fair amount of jokes about bedazzling. Oh. <laughs> Dude. Especially because I was also the only guy in that creative writing class. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, dude. Boy, do I have some stories about that shit. Story time. Story time. <laughs> so just like how I could easily get my brother to try Nair, everyone could get basically anyone to try doing the whole like skin bedazzle thing when those came out. Yeah. And uh, so allegedly, and not like, you know, I went around to check because I didn't care, nor did I go to the school. But apparently in our, like, right before high school year, um, as those were, like, coming into popularity, um, some of my brother's friends convinced, like, a whole group of dudes that girls liked it, and they all, like, stuck them all over their <laughs> genitalia and pubic region. Yeah, they ball dazzled. Yeah, they all <laughs> this. God damn it. Yeah. I have these jokes already in my brain, dude. I don't, I don't even have to come up with these shitty puns. They're already in there. Yeah, and then convinced them to do it. And then they, like, walked around school for, like, a week until, I guess, they, like, started to fall off and wear, like, sores on them and shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Oh, Hypothetical. Yeah. <laughs> Ball dazzle over flame of flame. Yeah. Oh. All right, David. Lisa has to have a vajazzle for the rest of your lives, or you have to eat that Burger King dishwasher sandwich with a Dewey Loogie. I'm married with two kids. I don't give a fuck what she does. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Look, I'm not eating that burger again, so I mean. <laughs> I'm really hoping this is one of the episodes she skips now. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got two awards left. <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. So, uh, who did you have as least shitty kid this episode? I went with Dewey. Yeah, he's using Jamie as a slave, but he's treating him with more dignity and respect than we've seen at the other Wilkerson shyly treated. 
Uh, even though he jumped at the chance to get out of being Reese's slave by throwing Jamie under the bus, he still cared about how Reese planned on treating Jamie, and he mediated the process, even taking a gut punch in the process. So, David obviously differs. Who did you go you with, You started it with, yeah, slave, but... What? What? But also... You are like, Dewey's the shittiest Wilkerson ever because of this one episode where he didn't do all that much bad, but a literal <laughs> slave relationship, and you're like, meh. I, I, mm. listen, for least shitty kid, I went with the real option here. Jamie, am I wrong? He's barely in the episode. He doesn't. He's, he is a focal point of one of the plot lines. I he's, guess he's hitting Reese with a wooden spoon. Yeah, it's at his direction, but the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If listen, he's into it. <laughs> he had consent, Eric. <laughs> I guess like it's so hard because Jamie just does. He feels more like a prop than a character. <laughs> yes, exactly. I did not even consider most him children do. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, but I, I'm considering the Jamie option, but it still, I don't know, it still feels like a cop out to me. So I, I'm going to stick with my original choice. Well, technically my second choice, because I initially had Dewey, but then I started thinking about this perspective argument, and, and I decided I had to change it when the argument was essentially, well, he's the good slave owner. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right? So exactly. So I went with Malcolm. I considered Malcolm, and again, he would be my choice if Jamie's not a focal point of, because I considered your argument when I was choosing, but he is, and I wouldn't have chosen him, Except that he is literally a focal point for a third of the episode. Yeah, he he is pretty involved, but again, he doesn't feel like a full character to me still. So I, I still feel like I I can't choose him. But if you want That's to, fair. go for it. That's fair. But uh, yeah, I mean, Malcolm wasn't too bad this episode. He's pretty shitty initially with the you know celebrating his mom having mono stuff. Uh, but he does have growth throughout the episode, and he does at least try to, like, reach out to Lois and, like, be like, hey, remember that conversation we had? Like, we can move past this, like, toxic relationship, which then Lois immediately shuts down, and he goes, okay, then fuck you, we're going back to normal. But he at least tried. And for that, I'm willing to give him least shitty kid. Okay. And, uh, I, I think based on our conversation, with the possible exception of Eric... We're going to have the same choice here, but who did you have as shittiest kid? <laughs> so, uh, Reese does the shittiest stuff that we actually see, but in my opinion, the clear answer is Malcolm. Because, okay, Lois may have granted him immunity. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but for, the view, for the listeners, Jake <laughs> has wildly thrown his hands up into the air and leaned away from his microphone as if to say... What the fuck? <laughs> Lois may have granted him immunity, but we don't have to, nor should we, giving him shittiest kid for literal Grand Theft Auto. Like, he admitted to stealing multiple neighbors' cars, and the comment that the Goldmans left the keys in a fake soup can in the cabinet means that he was inside their houses rifling through their belongings, so who knows what else he even took or what he did while he was there. He's the shittiest. <clears throat> David? <laughs> Who did you have a shittiest kid? Listen, on the scale of crimes, 
There is not an amendment to the Constitution that addresses <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> However, slavery... <laughs> we had to amend some shit. Uh, and because of that, I'm going with Dewey. Because I think... <laughs> Hang on. Listen. Jake's doing it again. <laughs> no. Reese is the 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 super hyper shittiest, like, yes. But there is absolutely zero departure from Reese's normal behavior here. Whereas Dewey is the quote Jake earlier good slave owner and is like being manipulative and trying to pretend to be the good guy here while doing a super shitty thing. And I, I think that that makes him just a hair above Reese. They're both absolute monsters. But I think when you're trying to, like, do an awful thing and make it seem like you're the good guy and manipulating everyone into being like, no, I'm good because I did it the right way no that's just i don't know there's like an extra level of shitty to me in that and i hate it reese's character arc in this episode is him realizing oh wait i don't like having power over people i like punishing people for existing i relish in their literal suffering that's my number one thing that i enjoy in life yeah <laughs> Uh-huh. Clearly shitty as kid. <laughs> Listen, Reese is bad. I don't disagree. He's a monster. But his dad is the devil. So this doesn't <laughs> surprise me. All of their dad is the devil. <laughs> I, I know, but I'm just saying Reese is very Hal, like very close to Hal in, in that <laughs> regards. I don't disagree with you, Jake. Reese is a rational choice. There's just something that strikes me personally shittier about the person who like it does the vile thing while smiling to your face and trying to pretend to be the good guy i hate that i hate that so goddamn much so i had to go with dewey look that that's fair hypocrisy is bad you know what's worse torture which is what reese is into and is very clear about actually this is what i'm into <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i'll take torture over slavery he does both, David. I know he does, but he realizes at the end he's really only into torture. That doesn't make it better. <laughs> Doing slavery because you're like, well, that's the easiest way for me to get my torture kicks off isn't better. It's worse. I don't necessarily disagree with that statement at all. But I already said, like, I know I'm, I'm acknowledging that Reese is a piece of shit here. But it's kind of the same level of piece of shit we've seen for a while now. This is a new low for Dewey, is my biggest thing. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I can accept that argument. Eric, your argument's nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking into people's houses and stealing their cars? Slavery, oh, yeah. Eric. <laughs> Slavery and torture. And you're worried about property damage? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> i did not i thought we would be unified on this one i thought i was like oh this is such a clear answer <laughs> apparently not <laughs> every time you think it's clear jake it's it's not you should know better
when it's clear, we see that muddy stained glass window. As much as it pains me to say. <laughs> that wraps yes. up our award, but we have a couple segments left. <laughs> Beginning with WTF F. So, Eric, where the fuck's Francis? Well, Francis no. has a job now. Managing up-and-coming rock band Ass Bandit. And while he was originally concerned with all that travel that would be involved, he realizes that the lanyard business is a sinking ship. And the longer he stays in one place, the more his desire to slip back into his old murderous habits flare up. So uh, he's trying to stay on the straight and narrow for Piyama's sake. So living a fast and loose rock star lifestyle might be a dangerous thing, though, too, especially if drugs and alcohol are involved. I wonder if those things will become a problem. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. (laughs) I see we're on alternate uh francis here not original francis original francis is dead in a ditch in alaska somewhere or or idaho or wherever it was you're just in a different timeline eric (laughs) that's the only way this works eric is the darkest timeline (laughs) that would explain a lot Eric's been watching the evil Malcolm in the Middle. (laughs) (laughs) Which is identical except for Francis Plotlex. Oh, God. Okay, well, (laughs) we also have the Cranston connection, as we have determined that in some form or fashion, all of the characters played by Brian Cranston, including the actor Brian Cranston, are in some form or fashion the same character. So what do we have for the Cranston connection this time, David? Well, while assuming his current human form of Hal, our good friend the devil, uh, accidentally lets out one of his many uh, previous life experiences as he channels uh, his time as Rear Admiral Lyle Haggerty uh, of the United States Public Health Organization, as he is readily prepared to take care of Malcolm and Lois and take the appropriate uh, precautions. However, it did lead me to do some digging. And uh, there's some interesting precautions that are taken here that uh, don't seem to match mono. For instance, Hal's insistence on using a mask and not making any contact with the air around uh, Lois and Malcolm in the beginning stages makes me wonder if this isn't actually mono at all. But instead, don't shake your head at me like that, Jake. You know where I'm going with this and you know that you hate it and love it at the same time. This might be the actual true patient zero for COVID. This is actually where the uh, experiment started. It didn't start in China. It started right here in Oklahoma, California. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And this is why he's been gathering all this information. And he also gets into genetic engineering a little bit after this with some giant monsters because he had to experiment with some nuclear fallout. And then... Magically, after gaining all of that information and doing all of his testing, suddenly the virus is unleashed and he's allowed to be his wild, crazy self and grow a full beard. (laughs) 
Listen, there's very strict rules about facial hair in hell. <laughs> he needed the quarantine for his character, Brian Cranston, to be able to carry the beard. <laughs> so just to be clear, we're now accusing Brian Cranston of causing COVID to grow a beard. Well, I mean, I feel more comfortable referring to him by his alter ego at that point, the devil, but yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, as an aside, have you guys been watching the latest season of Sunny? Did you see the episode? Yes. Where, <laughs> yes. where they refer to him as Mr. Middle. Mr. Middle. And that, and, and that's acting. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh. Also, by the way, theory about that scene. That wasn't acting. He just let the mask come down. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of that devil persona slipped out. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it, it, that happened, and I did have the moment of, is this the Cranston connection? Are they doing our bit? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that just leaves David's guessing game, which, uh, David, you did really well on for uh, this episode. Yeah. Your guess was uh, you were correct that Malcolm would be the uh, one of the boys to get mono. Uh, obviously, you uh, didn't predict that Lois would get it as well, but uh, that, that, that wasn't an incorrect guess, so I didn't knock anything off for that. Uh, and you thought that it would center on him being bedridden and quarantined and kind of uh, going crazy in quarantine, which obviously happened. <laughs> uh, and you also thought that Hal would have, like, very, like, extreme, like, uh, comedic, like, a uh, reaction to the, uh, mono, which I do think we got some of with that scene with the, uh, crackers and the, uh, little <laughs> grabber claw thing. And the, and the ruler for the cheese whiz. That was awesome. Yeah, it was. was very good. <laughs> uh, so I gave you full credit on that as well, and you were also correct in predicting, uh, no more Raduka, that she would be gone, which is true, and, uh, that Francis would not return in this. So I gave you a 100% this week. Wow. Hell yeah, I'm gonna need it. <laughs> <laughs> and david what do you think happens next week in hal grieves question for the hal grieves as in g-r-i-e-v-e-s or grieves as in like g-r-e-a-v-e-s <laughs> the first option okay listen this is hal <laughs> But now I want to know what you think Al Greaves, what the medieval armor is about. Me too? Uh, uh, listen, we're talking about a guy who covered himself in bees for this show, okay? This is true. Fair enough. Like, I, I, what do you want me to guess? Oh, what would Hal be thinking about? I don't think Hal's going to grieve about anything, right? Like, Hal's, Hal's a traditional dad. Hal is the the stuff it kind of guy. Hal is probably supposed to grieve. I don't know. Maybe it's like a cousin or uncle or aunt or or maybe do they get like a dog finally? And then no, they wouldn't get a dog just to kill it, right? That'd be well, pretty. They had a up. dog. They did have a leg. dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it hasn't come back up, so it wouldn't make sense for him to like grieve over the loss of the dog. So it's got to be like a family member or friend, right? Well, who does it make sense for Hal? Hasn't he, like, shit on most of his fucking family when they bring him up? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with a family member. I okay. can't narrow it down past that. I think, th- but I, I think he's going to not, like, I think he's going to do the typical, like, 90s and 80s dad thing of, like, refusing to actually, like, address his feelings about it. Like, not going to deal with it at all. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Hal in, like, total denial. You know what I mean? Okay. And and then I think we'll probably see, like, Hal at the funeral, and then maybe as, like, stories come up or something, you'll see him, like, kind of break. Because I, I just don't see Hal being the character that stays stonewalled the whole time. But I don't know exactly what would break him, because I can't even venture a guess as to who is passing. And if it's spelled the other way... Then Hal <laughs> finds a suit of armor and learns to joust. <laughs> I want that episode. <laughs> right? <laughs> Being pulled in his car by the strongmen from... Uh, oh, <laughs> that would be so good. <laughs> oh, that would be. <laughs> uh, I want that episode. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, That's uh... Dope. Do you think Francis will be in this episode? You know what? The dice didn't fail me last. <laughs> uh, no. Okay, no Francis. No Francis. Uh, any random questions you want to throw in, Eric? Hypothetical. <laughs> no, I don't have anything. <laughs> Not going to lie, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> right? Yeah. Another, another fucking would you rather. <laughs> would you rather travel on the road with uh, ass bandits and angry murderous Francis? Some other oh, bullshit. Is, was is that what played. I sound like? That's a, no. Your no. impersonation of me is like. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> that, that wasn't Eric talking? Is this Jake? But I'm the bastard. <laughs> We're all bastards, let's be fair. That's true. That's yeah. true. You're, you're not the bastard, you're the Flavel Flav. We've covered this. <laughs> <laughs> whatever this was of. <laughs> it, it wasn't a rap because Flavor Flav doesn't do that. I think he does some rapping. No, not well. Uh, well <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> if any <laughs> fans of uh, rap and Flavor Flav and music in general want to hear more of you, Eric, where can they do that? <laughs> While under entertainment available on all platforms in which uh, Jake and David have been guests on numerous episodes, including the five-hour David's musical journey, Jake's was a paltry, what, three and a half hours, but both very, very good episodes. You'll get to learn much more about their upbringing and their lives as they tell their kind of chronological story through 13 songs that they cultivated. So very, very good stuff. Also, if you like sports, the Evil Mark show, I co-host that. And I believe in the F episode of File Entertainment, Flavor Flav was one of the artists, right? <laughs> oh, naturally. <laughs> of course he was. <laughs> so check that out. He's not an artist. <laughs> <laughs> He's not an artist. He's the artist, the most important of our time. Are you on drugs? <laughs> also you should listen to jake's episode before mine for your uh, own sanity 
<laughs> I would say afterwards is a palate cleanser. That's what kind of we were joking about as we recorded them. So. That's true. But I do heavily reference Jake's episode in the first bit. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like foreshadow one of David's yeah. choices in mind. So it actually does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> Uh, as always, thanks and credit to Jacob Neufeld, who does our intro and outro music. You can find links to more of his music in the episode descriptions. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast. And if you enjoy the banter back and forth here and want to join us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we stream video games, interact with chat, and in general, have a good time. And as our good friend Flava Flav always says, <laughs> no. Yeah, boy! No, 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 no. Life is unfair. joined a recording session without audacity up and said something that you reacted to that would never happen yeah something the audience has no way of hearing yeah <laughs> okay for those in the know i didn't just call jake a dick i called jared a dick because <laughs> he hopped into the call to jared, try to be part of the super producer yeah I, i've heard rumors of such a person <laughs> Yeah, it just makes me look like a gigantic ass for it. Like yeah, I completely does. overreacted. <laughs> Especially once I added out your explanation. <laughs> <laughs> What's this thing? What's going on with Jesse? He's watching the show now, and and he's also listening to the episodes, but not in order. Yes. What? The he hell? started listening to this show. Like, what was the most recent episode at the time? It was, this was like three weeks ago when he started listening. And then he started watching Malcolm in the Middle. Initially, he was listening to this show in reverse order while watching Malcolm in the Middle in order. But then he decided he didn't want to start with season one of the show. So he started watching the show. I think he's watching the show starting with the last season, but watching the episodes in order while listening to our show just backwards. What a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs>